evening, I uh, thought we'd try something a little bit different with regard to our Bible study that we have on Wednesday night, and we're going to try it by video, and uh, it'll be out there, and then our Bible study will still go forward and just have an opportunity for us to kind of talk and pray together. I think it's important that we gather as much as we can, and so there'll be a Zoom meeting. If, if you need that email, please email me, and I'll make sure you have an invitation. It should be in the general church email as well. Um, how you get into that Zoom Bible study. But we're continuing to talk about prayer. And uh, uh, last week we used this quote, pray as you can, not as you can't. In other words, there's an invitation in prayer, to simple prayer, that uh, to begin to pray, no matter how successful you feel you are at it or not, uh, is, is success. That, that there is something about just uh, doing the best that you can. And there's an invitation in prayer not to be um, not to be the best at it, but to be the best you can be at it. And God honors that. And so as we talk about simple prayer and we move through what it means to pray, uh, we're going to get to the Lord's Prayer and we're going to see that Jesus does not overcomplicate prayer. He makes it something that's available for all of us. Uh, and, uh, and so that's an important thing just to acknowledge and understand. Uh, there, there's several moves in the, in the Lord's Prayer. Uh, the, the prayer can be broken down into six very specific requests. Uh, the first three deal with God, uh, that his name be hallowed, that his kingdom come, and that his will be done. And the next three deal with our personal needs, our daily food, our sins, uh, our debts, and our temptations. So, so the Lord's Prayer is holistic. It, it addresses both our spiritual life and our physical life. It, it, it addresses not only our relationship with God, but our relationship with others as well. Much, much like the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments are divided in, in a similar way. The first five deal with our relationship with God, and the last five deal with our relationship with others. And, and the prayer, in many ways, is, is divided in the same way, that, that God holistically wants us to pray, to be concerned about our spiritual well-being, and also he, want, he is concerned about our physical well-being. And, and he invites us to, to bring those concerns, our personal concerns, to him. Uh, the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer, can often be prayed without a whole lot of thought. And, and um, uh, you know, sometimes we can just go through the motions of any, any spiritual action that we take, but the, the Lord's Prayer has, has historically been used in a manner that, that we could conceivably uh, just pray the Lord's Prayer without proper consideration. And um, there, there, there's value in, in praying things over and over and memorizing prayers. There is a value in that. Uh, but, but I would say that if you cannot pray the Lord's Prayer in your own words and with your own understanding, then, then it might be something that you need to consider whether it's helpful to use it just as a form. Uh, we, we should use form prayers. I, I think they're a valuable thing. They, they help us. They direct our thoughts. And the Lord's Prayer is one of those form prayers that we could use. And it's a form prayer that Jesus gives us. But we don't want to rely upon a form. We want to have a relationship where it flows naturally from, from our thinking and from our heart. Uh, D.A. Carson notes, Jesus says, this is the way you pray not what you pray. In fact, uh, Jesus is inviting us to express these very things in a very personal way. Uh, so uh, without 
going any further into our study, let's let's read the Lord's Prayer together. I'm in Matthew 6, 9 through 15. You also find this in, in Luke's Gospel, the Lord's Prayer, but we're, we're working through the Matthew version. Jesus speaking to his disciples, and this is on this, in the Sermon on the Mount. Pray then in this way, our Father who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And that's the traditional ending of the, the Lord's Prayer. Jesus goes on and says, For if you forgive, if you forgive others their, for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. And so I think it's important that we, we see that right after Jesus gives us this model prayer, uh, which in, in a lot of ways deals with our relationship with God, he, he instantly begins to look at how we deal with other people and whether we're willing to forgive them, will, whether we're willing to uh, forgive their transgressions so that God can forgive our transgressions. But we're going to spend a few minutes today in verse 9. Verse 9 says, Our Father who is in heaven hallowed be your name. So, so the prayer begins with our father, not my father. And this is significant because it speaks of the importance of community, the body. It speaks of a community and the power of a community praying together. And, and even in this time, I think there's value in praying together and, and somehow reaching out to others. Even if we can't be physically together, to be together in a Zoom meeting, to, to make a phone call and pray with somebody, to, to, to just join your heart and say, hey, I'm going to be praying about this same thing at this same time. I'll be in my house and you'll be in your house and we'll be maintaining social distancing, but, but, but our hearts will not be maintaining social distancing. We'll, we'll be together in prayer. And so it's important that a community prays together. And, there, and there's many scriptures uh, that we can use to support praying with each other. Jesus says this in Matthew 18, 15 through 20, if your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you have won your brother over. But if he will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell to the church. If he refuses to listen to even to the church, treat him as you would a pagan or a tax collector. And then Jesus says this, I tell you the truth, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there I am with them. And so Jesus is talking about the importance of the body. He's talking about the importance of relationship and community and praying together. In the book of Acts, you see the multiple examples of the church, the community coming together, the body coming together in prayer, and, and through those prayers, God doing amazing things and miracles in their midst. Uh, James 5, 14 through 15 says, If any one of you is sick, you should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. And so James is inviting us to bring our concerns and, and praying 
with each other, the laying on of hands. And, and so praying together is not something that's a surprise to us or, or unusual in our tradition or our theological tradition. Uh, we, we place a great deal of uh, value on praying together. And, and, I, and I hope that we, 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 we at least convey the importance of that and do that as, as well as we can. Um, but do we ever pray alone? Uh, is Jesus saying we'll never pray alone when we say it, our Father? Obviously, we do. As a matter of fact, earlier in this same chapter, Jesus says this in, in Matthew 6, beginning verse 5, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to, pr to pray standing in the synagogues and on street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who's unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. And so in the immediate verses prior to the Lord's Prayer, where Jesus invites us to pray our Father, He talks about, praying alone and, and solitary prayer. As a matter of fact, Jesus was an example of someone who would pray by himself. Often he would go and, and pray by himself. Uh, but, but the Lord's Prayer invites us to pray with each other. Uh, but, but I think it also invites us to transform or change the way we pray when we're praying by ourselves. Uh, we, we lift our needs, not just my needs. Uh, for, for instance, we don't simply pray that our, my daily needs will be met, but we pray that our daily needs will be met. In, in other words, we, we begin to understand that our brother and sister um, have value and their needs are import, as important as our needs. And so even in our solitary prayers, our solitary prayers can be transformed to community prayers if we allow them to be because we, we not only lift our, our personal needs, but we lift the needs of the community. So, so the, the Lord's Prayer invites us to a community focus even when we're alone. Let, let, let's move on. Our Father. Uh, Jesus' use of Father in reference to God is not common in his age. It's not completely unusual, particularly in the Old Testament, for God to be referred to in, in, in a very intimate way. Uh, but among those in Jesus' day, uh, that would not be a typical way to refer to God. Uh, as a matter of fact, it'd be more apt to address God as sovereign Lord or, or the King of the universe. And so when Jesus uses or invites us to call God our Father, this is something that's radically different than the people of his age. Um, last Sunday, we, we talked about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane and Mark's translation in, in this hour of need, Jesus calls on God as Abba, Father. And he, he uses this very intimate word for father that, that some compare to daddy and some, some believe that's an exaggeration. But, but at the very least, uh, Abba is a very intimate, um, closely connected um, name for God. It's not a formal use of the word. We find this intimate use of Father in Paul's letters. In Galatians 4, 6-7, it says, Because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. 
So you're no longer a slave, but a son. And since you're a son, God has made you also an heir. In Romans, Paul writes, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but instead you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Um, so, so when we see what Jesus is inviting us to, uh, we're, we're being invited to approach God as Father. Uh, I don't know how you are, how you were with your fathers, but but I know there's a there's a certain familiarity, there's a certain ease in approaching my Father that 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 I'm not afraid to bring my request to Him and and let Him know what's going on in my life, and I, I hope my boys feel the same about me. And so Jesus is inviting us to a spirit of boldness as we approach our Heavenly Father. Uh, Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And so even in a time of, of crisis, and, uh, and I understand that, that there, there may be some that are facing uh, fears and uncertainty now, we can approach our Heavenly Father with a sense of boldness and confidence, knowing that he hears us, that he wants uh, our best, that, that, that he has a plan for us, that he has us in mind, uh, that we are not forgotten. And, and Jesus invites us in, in the opening words of this prayer to, to see God not as someone who is distant, but someone who wants this intimate relationship with us. And he's inviting us to a conversation uh, in prayer. So we can have confidence in prayer, uh, but even in the midst of this relationship, uh, he's inviting us to acknowledge our relationship with others. So our Father, our Father, plural, our Father, invites us to understand that we're not only children, but there's many children uh, that he has invited, and he invites us uh, to approach him with boldness as a community with our community in mind. And then Jesus goes on, our Father who is in heaven. Who, who is in heaven? Uh, there, there's a couple of ways that, that this is traditionally approached. And uh, probably the, the more prominent way this is approached is, is that theologians will use this phrase or say this phrase gives us perspective that although we have this intimate relationship with God, that we can call him Father, we still have to remember that, that he's in heaven, that, that he is the divine other. And so, so, so we should approach the throne of God with some awe, not fear, not irrational fear, but with respect and awe for who God is. And, and I think there's a lot of truth in that, but, but I'm also drawn to the ideal, Jesus would often say the kingdom of heaven is near. And, and when, we, when we look at Jesus, we see God very intentionally bringing the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, not only to, um, to, to this place, to this earth, to where we are. And, and so in, the, in a very real way, what we see with Jesus and in the incarnation is, is that God does not want to be distant, but God wants to be close to us. And, and so to me, in a lot of ways, not only is this a, an invitation to see God in a respectful way, to hold him in, with a proper sense of awe, uh, but there is an understanding in this prayer that there's an unseen aspect of this prayer, that, that God's 
not in the physical world like we're in the physical world. And, and, and much of what we face is not just in this physical world, but there's an unseen battle going on. And, and we, are approaching, we are approaching God in the heavenly realms, in this place just outside of our reach, just outside of our observation, our ability to observe, knowing that God is doing things uh, that we're not aware of, that we cannot see. And, and then he goes on, he says, Hallowed be your name. Uh, there's two ways you can see this. Uh, you, you can see this as declaration and a confirmation of our Father who art in heaven. Holy is your name. Hallowed be your name. Uh, now, now, a name represents character. And so Jesus is saying that his heavenly Father could be saying that, that my heavenly Father is holy and righteous and set apart, and, and we all testify and we agree that that, that is correct. Uh, but it's probably more proper to read, hallowed be your name, as the first petition, the, the first request. Hallowed be your name means, how can we demonstrate your goodness and your glory and your holiness? Lord, Lord, I'm asking you, I'm asking you as your son, I'm asking you as your child, what can I do to bring glory to your name? And so we find in Hallowed Be Your Name, the first request. D.A. Carson says this, in a way to pray, Hallowed Be Your Name is to pray, make me holy, grant that I may reverence you, work in me and in other men so that we may acknowledge your unsurpassed and glorious holiness always. And so we find in the Lord's Prayer, we find uh, both declaration and we find a call as well. The, the, the declaration that Jesus is making is that, that we have a Father that wants to hear our petitions, that, that he wants to have a conversation with us. And, and when he wants to have a conversation with us, that means not only us speaking, but us listening. And so our Heavenly Father invites us as a community, uh, as individuals, to, to come before him with our petitions and our requests and our concerns, to be honest and vulnerable before him. And in our honesty and vulnerable, vulnerability, it begins with this very simple request. God, can you, can you make me someone that brings glory to your name? Can, can you make me live a life that raises the value, the glory, the significance of your name. Let us pray together. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the words of Jesus. Thank you for this opportunity to gather, even in, in a digital way. I pray, Lord, that you'll bless us as we continue just to focus on what you are trying to teach us through the Lord's Prayer. Uh, Lord, help me just to dive in ever more deeper, Lord, so that I can learn more about you. I love you, Lord, and I thank you for your, your love for me and your love for our community. Bless us and keep us. Keep us together and keep us focused on you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless. Till next week.